Let's go! Big 12 Media Day, the unofficial, official start to the college football season. Whatever. Still 52 days out until kickoff in Norman. But we got it covered, man. Wire to wire. Parker Thune is down in Arlington right now. Pretty much wrapped up for the day. Parker, is the comment of the day what Mike Gundy said regarding the future of Bedlam? When he said, quote, the future of Bedlam is a year or two left. That's the future of Bedlam based on somebody else's decision, end quote. Yeah, I would say that's probably the comment of the day. I mean, not that it was a terribly outrandish or acerbic comment, but you know what media days are, Tyler. Here's what happens at every single media day. Every single coach gets lobbed questions about how good their offseason has been, how excited they are for the season ahead, and how optimistic they are that they've got a winning program on their hands. So it's not often that you get any water cooler content out of media days anywhere. Uh, That said, whenever you hear something like that from uh, somebody like Mike Gundy, uh, you know, that'll be uh, that'll be making the rounds before long, if it isn't already. Yeah, and, and I thought that it would make the rounds even more. I thought when he initially said it, I go, uh-oh, this is going to blow up on social media. And it really didn't to the level that I thought it was going to, which kind of leaves me with the opinion that OU fans are over it, man. I don't really, and hey, Air Comfort Solutions text line, please correct me if I'm wrong, 405-651-3439. But the vibe that I get from OU fans right now is we don't care less, for the most part, if Bedlam continues in the future or not. If they want to play it, I mean, whatever, so be it. But we're on to new and exciting environments with new and exciting programs. We don't really care if the Oklahoma State game is impact. Now, maybe the Oklahoma State fans have a different perspective of the situation, but I think in all reality, OU doesn't need the Bedlam game. And I think at this point, Parker, the fans, you know, seriously realize it. And like I said, don't care one way or the other if they play this thing again after OU moves to the SEC. I mean, yeah, it's pretty obvious, Tyler. Oklahoma State needs that rivalry more than Oklahoma because Oklahoma has other rivalries, right? And they have other rivalries that will bloom when they make the transition to the SEC. If Oklahoma's out of the picture, who is Oklahoma State's chief rival, Tyler? Who is the team that those fans get excited to play every single year? There's no logical answer. Maybe Baylor? Maybe Texas Tech? Who really knows, though? Yeah. Um, it, Tulsa? <laughs> well, they already have a rivalry with Tulsa, right? I forget what the OSU-Tulsa rivalry is called. Is it like something to do with the turnpike or something like that? Now, ideally, for Oklahoma State, it would be Arkansas. And I know I think they have a home-and-home home coming up, but Arkansas is in the SEC. So who's to say that that's going to develop? Yeah, OSU will not have a real – and some would argue that they don't now anyway. I, I got gotcha. you. But OSU won't have a real legit rivalry, and I feel like with OU fans, that's just just fine. Um, text line, let OSU wither away. Um, just replace OSU with Arkansas and then full speed ahead. Uh, yeah, I, the, the text line is confirming my opinion that OU fans don't care about this rivalry, I if they ever did. Yeah, I, I, uh, here's the thing. They, they care. They do care. And... In a situation like this, it's only natural that some of these fans are going to act like they never cared at all, right? But no, they care. This is 
a rivalry that people get excited for every single year, mostly because they know it's another win on the schedule and another claim to superiority over the only other Power 5 program in the state. But you said it well, Tyler. Oklahoma doesn't need that rivalry. When they move to the SEC, they're going to be just fine in terms of uh, series that fans get excited about. I think there's a budding rivalry with Arkansas that's going to be very exciting to monitor. I think there's always been the potential of a rivalry with LSU. I think a lot of people are excited to see what might happen uh, between Oklahoma and Florida if those teams uh, get scheduled in such a way that they're playing each other on a semi-regular basis. We know everybody in the SEC is going to play each other at least every four years as things stand right now, but if Oklahoma and Florida becomes an annual or close to annual series, I think that has the fun uh, potential to become an interesting rivalry as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Let, let me get to a few more texts on the Air Cover Solutions text line before we move on. Uh, JB in Dallas, we ain't sweating, little brother. Got a Heisman statue to commemorate that rivalry, and it's all good. Keep the petty. Jesse says, OSU? Never heard of her. 918s couldn't care less about Bedlam, and the Pokes are truly acting like a spoiled brother, which isn't surprising. Uh, we do care about Bedlam. Game is good for the state, has been entertaining for almost a decade. Play Arkansas or Nebraska. No one cares about Oklahoma State. It only helps, uh, it only helps OSU when they play OU. So there you go. There's the current vibe from OU fans. Uh, this text does say, all right, gentlemen, what's your first impression of the new commissioner? My first impression of the new commissioner, Parker, was a little bit more lively than the old commissioner, huh? You know, Bob Bolsby stands no, up the there, clear eyes, we're fine with conference real like, Oh, Brett actually brings a little spark to the press conference, so that was a big plus for me. Uh, again, the bar is not high in that regard, Tyler, so... Anybody with a distinguishable personality was going to be an upgrade in that department. But, uh, no, I I think here's the deal. At the end of the day, it doesn't much matter if you're Oklahoma, if you're a Sooner fan, because he's only going to be your conference's commissioner for two years max. So you're not going to be dealing with Brett Yormark very far into the future. Regardless, I do think, and I mentioned this at the top of the 12 o'clock hour with Steely, your mark said what needed to be said, which is the Big 12 is open for business. We're going to pursue all avenues to make sure that our conference stays competent and stays afloat. Now the challenge becomes doing what needs to be done because it is one thing to say it. It is one thing to proclaim that this is what we're going to try to do. This is what we're going to angle for. It's another thing entirely to actually do it. Yeah. No, it feels like a massive upgrade for the Big 12 moving forward. Kind of like what you said, it wasn't a high bar. Yeah, but I I actually feel like Brett Yormark might actually do a decent job. But he did say he wants the Big 12 to be younger, hipper, and cooler. Uh, what's the conversation down there, Parker, on how the Big 12 is be going, going to become younger, hipper, and cooler? Because I am uh, fascinated to see how they uh, try and accomplish that one. Younger, hipper, and cooler. Yeah, I, I, like, what What tangibly does that mean? What does that entail? Because, like, Bill Snyder's retired, so <laughs> not, not to say that... Wow. Uh, every, <laughs> not to say that the absence of bill snyder means that 
the conference is younger, hipper, and cooler, but, like, is there is there a significant contingent of senile old folks that are uh, dragging down the Big 12 in that regard? I just I, I don't really know what your mark is angling for with that comment. Yeah, well, Nebraska's out of the conference. They've been out of the conference uh, for over a decade now, so that at least made the conference younger in terms of fans. I don't know if it made them hipper or cooler or not, but the Big 12's been younger for about 12 years now, ever since Are you Nebraska. trying to say that you trying to say that Nebraska fans are all old? Is yes, yes. That's the common thought. Is that not? Is, is that the reality in Lincoln, or do we have it all wrong? Uh, the, listen, I'll I'll trust your evaluation on it as an outsider. From where I come from, uh, there are there are Husker fans of all generations, and there will always be Husker fans of all generations. But you know what? Uh, you have a neutral perspective on it as somebody that has no stake and no familiarity. Uh, with the state of Nebraska as a whole. So I I will trust your viewpoint. I think my favorite quote from today was Baylor head coach Dave Aranda talking about that last play in the Big 12 championship against Oklahoma State. He said, quote, I want to say we called a timeout and didn't have a timeout. Oh, I I don't know if I should be saying that, end quote. So we found something out about that game. Apparently Baylor tried to call a timeout. They didn't have a timeout. There was no, I mean, nothing happened from that. Baylor ends up winning the football game. Was there a certain quote from the day that stuck out to you? A favorite quote was kind of the the big highlight moment outside of Gundy uh, talking about the future of Bedlam. Well, I mean, Lance Leipold got asked a question about beating Texas last year. So that was a fun one. (laughs) He was like, yeah, we went down there. We were one and eight. Um, and we kind of caught them while they were on the down slope, and they weren't playing very good football. And I, I'm paraphrasing here, but it was it was kind of funny to hear Lance Leipold navigate that question because you could tell who, and I forget who it was that asked the question. You could tell they were fishing for some water cooler fodder, and Lance Leipold, being the seasoned professional that he is didn't give it to him but I, th- I thought it was funny that that came up over the course of his press conference i love this text douglas miles younger hipper and cooler got off to a roaring start when mike gundy made a karen carpenter reference today yeah that was at the back end of the press conference and the moderator was like in the middle of the conversation which i kind of thought was a big no-no parker but he basically inserted himself into the conversation and said yeah i guess that makes us old hey coach gundy that was uh, a little bit of an odd uh, instance in today, but Gundy rolled with uh, it. Whatever, odd, odd, odd to say the least. But you know what else? What else can you expect in a Mike Gundy press conference? There's always some element of the weird, whether it's the "I'm a man, I'm 40" rant or a Carpenter's reference. Yeah, uh, we'll get into some recruiting as the hour goes on, and, and obviously cover anything and everything at uh, Big Twelve Media Day in Arlington. Before we talk about Dalen Smothers and his commitment coming up tomorrow, did we confirm if it's Reese Taylor, the PWO out of uh, Plainview Ardmore yesterday? Do do we have any more confirmation on that situation? I have no additional confirmation. (laughs) I'm just going to refer to him as Reese until I'm told otherwise. But yeah, oh, you got a PWO today. Dalen Smothers, four-star running back out of Charlotte, is committing tomorrow. Will OU get some good news on that front? And if they get that commitment, would that put OU into the top 10? Well, how about this? We'll tell you coming up next. Keep it locked right here on Locked In. Hit us up on the Air Coverage Solutions text line 405-651-3439. More coming up next on The Ref. 
Elite Roofing Systems bringing you this hour of Locked In. They're also our Big 12 Media Day coverage sponsor, Elite Roofing Systems. They're servicing all of Oklahoma's roofing needs. Locally owned and operated, headquartered in Norman and Tulsa, and serving customers in the greater Oklahoma City area since 2010. Give Elite Roofing Systems a call, 405-361-3094. Tulsa, they're here to serve you as well. 918-984-5475 or EliteRoofOK.com. Decision time tomorrow for four-star running back Dalen Smothers out of Charlotte, North Carolina. I believe that's 4 o'clock Central is when that decision is going down. Uh, Parker, the crystal balls are pretty much all in favor for OU over Florida State in this decision. It sounds like we should feel pretty good about this one. Yes, feel very, very good about this one. And how remarkable will it be? Tyler, for the second straight class, DeMarco Murray pulls not one but two blue-chip running backs, and he's done recruiting the class of 2023 by July. Tip of the cap to the Sooners running backs coach. I'm old enough to remember when people uh, were on the message boards and on social media saying that he couldn't recruit and that he was in over his head after he didn't get Kamar Wheaton back in December of 2020. Uh, That narrative, needless to say, is no longer being pushed. Dalen Smothers, uh, 24-7 composite rankings, the number nine running back in this class, 218 nationally. I mean, he's got a who's who of offers. You got Penn State in there. You got Alabama in there. You got Ohio State in there. You got Michigan in there. Miami's in there. Um, he has an impressive, an impressive list of uh, list of offers. It sounds like it's going to be OU tomorrow. What does Dalen Smothers do really well that you've seen though, Parker? Listed at five eleven, one eighty two. Man, he he's got speed, and I think that's the most impressive thing about him uh, is his ability to just hit that fifth gear and go. And the Sooners got an outstanding speed back, one of the fastest backs. Uh, in several years at the running back position in Gavin Sawchuk last cycle. Javante Barnes, uh, my belief is that he's a more complete running back, doesn't quite have the downfield straight-line speed that Gavin Sawchuk does. But I think you're getting two pretty similar backs uh, in this class between Smothers and Hicks. you got a bit more of a speed guy in Smothers, and you got a guy in Hicks that uh, does everything well enough. And you wouldn't say that there's one thing that he's elite at, but he's almost your prototypical running back in that he does so many things so well that he doesn't need to have 4-3 speed in order to be effective at the next level and in order to be a multi-year thousand-yard guy. So uh, the fact that you've got Sawchuck and Barnes coming in the class of 2022 and then right on their heels you turn things over uh, to Dalen Smothers and Caleb Hicks, you feel really, really good about the running back room over the next few years at the University of Oklahoma. And how far of a cry is it, Tyler, from where Oklahoma was at the position a year ago when they just lost Seth McGowan and Mikey Henderson? Uh, Kennedy Brooks was coming back from a year off due to COVID, and nobody really knew how rusty he was going to be. Eric Gray was the exciting Tennessee transfer. Nobody really knew what they were going to get from Marcus Major, but there was a time when uh, there was some legitimate concern uh, as to whether Oklahoma was going to have adequate depth well, at the it, it felt back dire position, it was only- like you can't you cannot suffer an injury at the position this year you, you just can't yeah 
And they really, you know, avoided that, I guess, for the most part and ended up being okay in that regard. But that's not a good feeling to where, oh, my gosh, if any one of our main guys gets hurt early on in the year, we're in bad shape. And they're not they're not there this year. In fact, Parker, I think most fans, there's probably four running backs at this point that people feel good about. And that's not even, you know, laying eyes yet on a guy like Gavin Sawchuck. Yeah. I mean, because throw Sajak out the window for a second. Say he contributes in some form or fashion as a freshman. That's gravy, man, because you got Gray coming back. You've got Barnes, who's got the opportunity to be one of the most impactful true freshmen in the country. You've got Tawi Walker, who will be a scholarship guy at some point. Take that to the bank. And then you got Marcus Major, who, for all that he hasn't done on the field, still has potential that's off the charts. So there is absolutely no concern as to the depth at the running back position, which is a nice change of pace from where we were a year ago today at this time when we were talking about DeMarco Murray's room. Let me get to two uh, texts on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. 405-651-3439 is the number. 720 area code. I don't think people are saying DeMarco can't recruit. It's more that OU is not signing top three five-star backs anymore like Adrian Peterson, DeMarco Murray, Joe Mixon, etc. Okay, and what, what I, I'm failing to see what the issue with that is because the leading rusher in the history of OU football is a former three-star recruit, one Samaj P. Ryan. Uh, I am old enough to remember, Tyler, when a guy named Kennedy Brooks, who was a low four-star recruit, if that, if my memory serves me correctly, uh, had three different 1,000-yard seasons, three separate seasons of at least 1,000 yards at the running back position. So historically, you haven't needed elite five-star backs in order to get production from that position. You've just needed the right guys for the system. And I don't question that DeMarco Murray and Jeff Levy are going to find the right guys for the system. Look, would it be nice to have somebody like Adrian Peterson, DeMarco Murray, etc., at that uh, in that running back stable at some point? Sure, but you have to keep in mind, you don't get an Adrian Peterson no, or a DeMarco exactly Murray every single year. We're talking about two NFL veterans, one of whom was the offensive player of the year in the league in 2014, and the other, and the other. Speaking of Adrian Peterson, is a first ballot NFL Hall of Famer and one of the greatest players in the modern era, regardless of position. Yeah, I, I think he's so. Done, the standard is very high. I think he's done just fine in recruiting. I mean, we think, and it hasn't been proven yet, but we think Javante Barnes not only has a chance to contribute, like has a chance to be the number one guy at some point next season. And that's not just camp hearsay. I mean, we saw it in the spring game, what kind of dude he looks like. So they're doing just fine in that regard. And look, there's not 10 five-star running backs out there in this class. There's two. There's Reuben Owens, who is currently uh, uh, committed to Louisville. And there's Richard Young out of the state of Florida, who OU has been very in on. He's definitely shown some OU interest now. It looks like he might end up going to Alabama. But I look, if there's one thing I'm going to nitpick, it's not OU running back recruiting right now. Especially, like you said, I, I think the, whether it's the production, whatever, the overall talent level, I think, is on the up and up in the backfield. Well, and if you're going to nitpick... Look at the position groups that haven't been up to par over the last few years at the University of Oklahoma because that's where you can nitpick, right? 
the running the production from the running backs has been outstanding. The production from the wideouts has been outstanding. The offensive line play, for the most part, has been solidly above average, even when Bill Beatonbow was running into a lot of criticism. There were a lot of programs at the Power 5 level, Tyler, that would have killed for the offensive line that Oklahoma had last year, as maligned as it was. So if you're going to nitpick when it comes to recruiting, I feel like you start with the secondary because that's been the one area of the team that uh, hasn't been up to Oklahoma standards in recent years, uh, more so on the defensive side than the linebackers and the defensive line. So if you want to nitpick, which I don't recommend anyway, that would be the logical place to start because if you're going to change the vibe and you're going to change the culture in the secondary, at a certain point you're going to have to start recruiting better. Uh, from the 405, Barnes goes for over 200 yards versus Texas. Ah, uh, Yeah, I mean, I'm not ready to go there yet, but it would be nice. I think that would be, or he would be, the first true freshman to have that kind of debut against Texas since a guy that we're talking about, A.D., had like 225 against Texas in 2004. But, I mean, that that's the point, Parker. It's I like Eric Gray, and I think Eric Gray is going to have a nice, a really good year. I think he's going to have his best year. But it's not just going to be a total shock if, by the time we get to October, Javante Barnes is your number one guy. That's not going to be a surprise at all. No, I will not be shocked. And, in fact, I expect that. That's not a dig at Eric Gray at all. That's simply an indication of... <laughs> just how good of a back Javante Barnes is and just how high his ceiling is. His potential is off the charts. And make no mistake, Tyler, if he isn't your number one back at some point this year, I can promise you he's your number one back next year yeah. because that kid is special. Um, speaking of Big 12 Media Day, 24-7 Sports has uh, Big 12 football rankings sorting every single team into tiers. Tier number one is could win the league. Baylor is in that tier. OU is in that tier, Texas is in that tier, and Oklahoma State is in that tier. The next tier down is maybe if everything uh, breaks right. That's like Kansas State's there, TCU's in there. Uh, Playing spoiler, that tier is Iowa State, that's Texas Tech, that's West Virginia, and better but not there yet is KU. How many legitimate teams do you think can win the conference this year? I'm looking at four, man. I'm looking at Baylor. I'm looking at OU. I'm looking at Oklahoma State. I think it's going to be really tough for them, but we'll see. I mean, they're allowed to have a good defense this year. But I'm not looking at Texas. I'm looking at Kansas State this year. I'm sorry. 100%. I just can't see a 5-7 and team winning the league. Yeah, it's three teams for me, Tyler. It's Oklahoma, it's Baylor, and it's Kansas State. I think the winner of this conference in the year of our Lord 2022 is one of those teams. I don't I don't buy it with Oklahoma State. Now, I said the same thing last year, and Oklahoma State more than doubled the win total that I predicted for them. So maybe I know nothing at all uh, with regard to Cowboy football. There's a very legitimate possibility there. But uh, not buying it with Oklahoma State, not really buying it with Texas at this point either. I think it is a three-horse race in the Big 12 this year, and I think the three teams are Oklahoma, Baylor, and Kansas State. I, I, I think the over-under on Kansas State's win total is something like 6.5. Man, slam the over. Slam the over. There's no way that that team doesn't hit seven wins. I'm not putting Texas there because they were five. I just, again, like I don't see a five and seven Texas team changing everything in one offseason and winning the league. But all the positives that people throw at me for Texas, well, Quinn Ewers 
could be this, and they do have the best running back in the conference and B. John Robinson, and they may have the best wide receiver in the league. Okay, you guys name three players. No one else wants to talk about the rest of the roster. How about the offensive line that Texas is going to have? It wasn't very good last year. I don't think it's going to be very good this year. And then no one wants to bring up how god-awful they were defensively a year ago. Am I really to believe that they're in one offseason going to totally transform into a defense that can put themselves in a position to win a Big 12 championship? No way. Hey, they can have a great quarterback. They can have a good running back and a really good wide receiver core. But if they can't block anybody up front, and if they can't stop anybody like the, like last year, forget about it, man. I don't even put them in Tier 1 contenders to win the conference this year. I don't put them in the same category as Kansas State, Oklahoma State, OU, and Baylor. All right, well, let me know when you take off the crimson-colored glasses hey, there, call Tyler. It, call it, people goodness. can call it what they want. Well, see it. No, no, you're, you're, you're exactly right. It, it doesn't add up. The math doesn't add up, and it's a very, very strained narrative uh, among those who want to act as though Texas has a legitimate chance to win this conference in the year 2022. Maybe we look like idiots four months down the road, but I don't think that happens, Tyler. I really don't. Uh, Me thinks Texas is closer to TCU than they are Oklahoma, and I think TCU is going to be a very average, middle-of-the-road team in the conference next year. So if you want to save that, file it away, uh, print the receipt, whatever you want to do, you can do that. Uh, but do not count me in the group that's uh, all aboard the Texas hype for 2022. Texts are rolling in. You guys are awesome. We'll get to as many as we can coming up next. Air Comfort Solutions text line 405-651-3439. It is the ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans. Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on the Ref Elite Roofing Systems, your Big 12 Media Day coverage sponsor. Parker is live in Arlington today. He will be down there tomorrow as well as Britt Venables will speak tomorrow morning. Hey, um, one thing on Dalen Smothers, feels like he's going to commit to OU tomorrow at 4 o'clock. OU currently has the number 11 ranked class. He'd be commitment number 15. Is OU officially going to be in the top 10 with his four-star commitment tomorrow? No, they will not be. They will stay at 11 if Dalen Smothers does commit to the University of Oklahoma. So, alas, Oklahoma's dreams of breaking into the top 10 will have to wait for at least one more splash edition. Maybe that's Derek LeBlanc. Maybe that's Jacoby Johnson. Maybe that's somebody that's a little out of left field. Who knows? There are a lot of guys... Uh, left in this cycle that Oklahoma's pursuing that haven't set a commitment date. Maybe somebody like Tessilia Kana decides to pop out of nowhere. I don't hmm. think it happens before he visits again on July 29th. But, hey, I've I, we, we've been surprised before, most recently by Keon Brown. So uh, at, the, at the very latest, I think you are waiting until July 28th when Derek LeBlanc announces because I do think that one goes in favor of Oklahoma at this time. 720 area code says Marcus Major is going to be the surprise this year. Well, that's interesting that you text that because I was reading an article on The Athletic yesterday and it had quotes from Brent Venables. Now, I'm going to read you this quote, Parker, on OU's running backs, and you tell me if you take anything away from this. Brent Venable says, quote, Eric Gray, man, he's a stud. Marcus Major is going to be a really good player. He was banged up and had a high ankle sprain this spring. I like the maturity of Javante Barnes. I thought he was really, really good. 
So he mentioned three running backs there. And he mentioned Marcus Major before Javante Barnes. Does that mean anything? I'll let you decipher it. But in terms of the three guys that he mentioned, I mean, he talked more about Marcus Major than anyone else. Yeah, well, okay. And I think that's one of the things where you have to resist the urge to read into it too much because he's just, you know, he's just name dropping guys off the top of his head, trying to give credit to everybody in the room, which is what a good coach does, right? Any coach that's grilled on a specific position group is going to throw out as many names as possible that come to mind. So, look, I'm a big believer that. Not a whole lot matters in terms of reports that you get over the summer until the pads come on in August, right? That's about the time where we're going to start to be able to uh, believe and actually uh, give some credence to what we're hearing on all these guys. Now, obviously, Javante Barnes was one of the spring standouts. Tawi Walker was in that same boat. So to a certain extent, we know what we're getting with those two. Obviously, you know what you're getting in Eric Gray as well, but... So much can change from the spring to the fall. And it's happened so many times over the years where a guy that flashes throughout the spring goes invisible as soon as fall camp arrives or vice versa. Somebody that didn't really stand out in the spring, uh, stays in the weight room over the summer, uh, is really, really uh, devoted in terms of their uh, schedule and the drills that they're doing to improve their play and Uh, They come back out in the fall, and all of a sudden they're a completely different guy than they were four months earlier. So uh, next month at this time, I think we will have a better sense of where things stand with the running back room because uh, I I don't know that until then we can take anything as gospel, even if it is coming from DeMarco Murray himself. A lot can change. 918 listener, no love for Gary Patterson on getting the Longhorn defense on track. I think that there's some sarcasm in that. Now, last year, Gary Patterson coached eight games at TCU before they parted ways. Jerry Keel coached the Final Four. TCU was a 5-7 and seven team last year. Now, Gary Patterson has always been known as a defensive mastermind. And, it, you know, for a large portion of his career, you could always count on TCU to have a pretty good defense. But last year, Parker, in his last year at TCU, uh, they ranked 118th out of 130 teams in terms of points per game. Uh, their defense gave up 30 point, 34.9 points per game. They were one of the worst defenses in all of college football last year. So, to answer your question, no. Gary Patterson does not change my opinion of Texas one bit. And he's not even a full-time assistant. He's in, he's in an off-the-field role. Yeah, so the, was, I, was that listener slash texter positing that Gary Patterson has any significant influence on the University of Texas? Was that kind of the thought there? Or? I I have no I, I I just like hey are you not going to give Texas any credit for Gary Patterson he's there um, yeah no, no I I I don't because I I think Gary Patterson's presence while it's while it is not inconsequential he's in an off field role All right so there's only so much influence a guy like that is going to have and is it helpful to have a guy on staff that's been an FBS power five head coach for 20 plus years and uh, knows his way around as well as anybody sure but 
does that mean Texas jumps from a five-win team to a ten-win team strictly because you got Gary Patterson in the fold? No. If Texas takes a big step up this season, it's not going to be because of Gary Patterson. It's going to be because uh, Quinn Ewers is all that, probably. Yeah. That's the one thing that will elevate Texas. Uh, great point, Barry. Uh, Gary Patterson can't help change the culture. Yeah, that's a great point. Hey, Steve Sarkeesian can, though, and I don't feel like Steve Sarkeesian is necessarily – changing the culture down there. Uh, the team was 5-7 and seven last year, and the starting running back has a car worth about $100,000. So I don't, I don't think the culture's changing anytime soon. Dude, I totally dropped the ball on something. And someone on the text line is asking, hey, is Travis coming on today? I totally forgot about Travis Wednesday at 2.35. So I have a text out to him to see if he can join us next segment. Hopefully we can catch up Travis. Oh, catch up with Travis next segment. I totally dropped the ball on that. My bad. Wow. I L on your part there, Tyler. I know. I know. Um, Come on. It's, it's on the schedule. Well. Every Wednesday. The listeners know. You normally make that call. So that, that is true. You're not here today, true. so it like totally <laughs> slipped my mind. Yeah, that's 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 all me. All right. Well, here's the thing. Usually, if I forget, which also has happened before, I usually get a text reminding me. So uh, the fact that you didn't get a text probably leads me to believe that Travis forgot to. So <laughs> I, I hope no worries. The there. Case. I hope that's the case. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll catch up with our buddy Travis Davidson up there in uh, Tulsa. Keep it locked on the ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans. Well, normally, every Wednesday at 2.35, we talk to our buddy Travis Davidson in Tulsa. But when I'm a moron and forget, sometimes it's 2.51 on a Wednesday afternoon. The funny thing is I've been texting Travis all afternoon long. Uh, sorry about that, Travis. Welcome to the show. Please forgive me. Hey, hey all good. I'm just glad the, uh, the text line noticed. I <laughs> so, uh, appreciate the listeners out there, man. Uh, but, yeah, no, uh, there, there's no difference. 15 minutes later, no big deal. Yeah, um, Big 12 Media Day today, man. What did you make about Mike Gundy's comments about the future of Bedlam? Man, it, it's, it sounded a lot like I didn't really like his comments much. I mean, not that I didn't like him. I didn't agree with him about the, the kids not knowing out of the top two 200, 300 kids not knowing what schools were in which conference. That didn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, the recruits that I've talked to, um, you know, whether it was out at Vegas, whether it was, you know, wherever, it's they're extremely aware of, you know, the conference moves, especially to the SEC. Um, so I think he was speaking as a coach that belongs to a lame duck conference, and that's what he has to say is, oh, I don't think it matters much, but – I think it matters immensely. I don't think OSU will necessarily be affected greatly because they haven't been recruiting, you know, you know, top ten classes anyways. So they're going to kind of make make do with what they have. But you know, he's always good for a good quote or two. Parker, you got a question down there from Arlington? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, we got you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I got you. Okay. Perfect. I, yeah. So Travis, fifteen commitments. Uh, if the Sooners. Get Dalen Smothers tomorrow. That'll be commitment number fifteen uh, thus far in the class for Oklahoma. Is the recruiting is garbage narrative now officially dead? Well, I feel I feel like it's been dead for hopefully a couple weeks, and and the narrative should have been dead if they listened to anybody who actually you know knew what was going on, and it actually should have been dead uh, before uh, like when Red Venables took the job because we all knew that. July was going to be hot because he does not allow uh, does not allow visits after commits. We're seeing this unfold 
just right before our eyes with Baylor's current uh, quarterback commit. Uh, they've had this commit for a while, and he just released a top four today that said, you know, these four teams are all in the running while he's still committed to Baylor. So I think that's what's important to realize about, you know, the, the schedule of, of commitments that Brad Venables has brought to Oklahoma is, you know, Dave Aranda is sitting there at Big 12 Media Day today, and he's not sure if he's going to have a quarterback in his class. When he got there, he was pretty sure he had one. So, um, you know, that kind of stuff is what we're going to be avoiding. But I think we're going to continue to see these big Julys, and what I'm really excited about is once the play on the field kind of backs it up, specifically along the defensive line, uh, I'm really excited to see what that does for us going forward. Who's in your Tier 1 of this conference in teams that can absolutely win the league this year? How many teams, and, and who's in that? Oh, man. Uh, I would probably I'd probably say three. I'd probably go uh, Oklahoma, Baylor, and Kansas State. So no Oklahoma is, State? Is that, no, no. I think, I think with the departure of Jim Knowles, uh, I think he was really uh, – there's a reason Ohio State went and got him. Um, and and it, when you rely on your defense – to put you in those positions to win those games. I mean, the, the the OSU defense was great last year, and they had a ton of seniors, a ton of fifth-year seniors. Just There were grown men playing on that defense, and that's part of the reason they were so good. But you take that away, and you start having to rely on a Spencer Sanders-led offense to now win you ball games. Uh, that's just not something that I, I trust, and I don't think I've been given any reason to trust it. Okay, Travis, over under, how many questions do the Big 12 media get into Brent Venables tomorrow in the half-hour time allotment? I'm going to go with, I think somebody's going to ask something, believe it or not, that he can answer quickly that doesn't really have an opportunity to expand on it. I'm going to go four. Under. total questions. Under. It may be one. It may not get past the opening statement. How about that? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, think, I think there's going to be somebody that, that maybe isn't used to Brent Venables or anything like that, doesn't maybe ask one of those leading questions or anything. I think he's going to get a couple quick ones in there. I'm, I'm going with four. Okay. All right. I will be taking the or, uh, the under on that, but that's that's still probably a pretty good number. Hey, man, there's some uh, first-year head coaches out there right now in recruiting that are uh, doing a nice job. Marcus Freeman's got the number two overall class. Brian Kelly's got the number eight overall class. Uh, Brent Venables got the number 11 overall class, and then Muleshoe all the way down at number 17. Uh, Dan Lanning is in the top 20 as well. Florida's at 21. It, it, anyone stick out there? Any big surprises uh, from these first-year head coaches and how they're recruiting at their new jobs? Yeah, I, th- I think something to point out uh, amongst those is, is, again, you bring up some some great recruiting efforts. Um, you know, it's the first-year head coaches that really stick out to me. Um, obviously, uh, you know, your Dan Lannings, your Marcus Freemans, and then your Brad Venables. That, that's what excites me because we have been told how many times that, well, Brad Venables never been the head man. It's way different to be the head coach. That, you know, he's, he's probably going to fail. So uh, with that, it's like you don't need the head coaching experience, and they are running laps around some of the guys that have had lots of head coaching experience. So I think that's my biggest takeaway from it, Tyler, is that it's, it's not just new location guys because you can get a lot of the we see this happen in texas every other year it feels like that new coach hype that oh man it's going to be different we're bringing in his hot shot blah blah blah. he had success at this place success at this place and now he's going to have success here um you know that that's a little bit easier to understand but the first time ever 
head coaches, that's what I like to see is, is that people are putting the trust in them. Travis, the blue chip ratio numbers are out for Oklahoma in the twenty twenty two class or in the for the twenty twenty two preseason. Uh, for Oklahoma and every other team across the FBS. Sooners have, uh, depending on which metric you use, uh, factoring in transfers or not, either the fourth highest or the sixth highest. So regardless, a top six blue chip ratio across the country. A pretty obvious fly in the ointment for the folks who say that Oklahoma is becoming three-star U, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I, I would definitely say so. And it's interesting because throughout this uh uh, throughout this month especially, I mean, I, w- I would guess our next, I don't know, three, at least next three commits uh, are four stars uh, as a guess, if, if, if you believe the crystal balls and whatnot um, and the timing of announcements. I mean, there, there aren't that many three stars on the board even for, for Oklahoma anymore. We're going big game hunting uh, from now on. And you're going to see a lot of those three stars rise. Uh, you could see even a, a, a four-star or two rise. So I think the staff has done an incredible job with scouting and with uh, re- really acquiring talent that, that has a lot of upside, uh, maybe from smaller schools or anything like that. I mean, they didn't get some, some 2A quarterback or anything like that that, uh, um, you know, they had to evaluate. But I, I'm, glad, I'm glad we went with the big-time quarterback. But other than that, we've got some uh, – We've got some fast risers, there's no doubt. But for the blue chip ratio, we're, we're right where we always are, right at the top of college football, where yeah. we've been for the last 100 years. Hey, good stuff, Travis. You'll be at Ash Cigar Bar Friday from 3 to 6, 4205 South Sheridan. We'll, hey, talk to you then. I won't forget about it this time, but thanks for the time change. I appreciate it. Yeah, no doubt, guys. Thanks. There you go. That's Travis Davidson. That'll do it for Parker as well. He'll be in Arlington tomorrow worth big, more, excuse me, more Big 12 Media Day coverage. Rush coming up next. Keep it locked in the ref.